Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast, your spot for everything Dynamo. I'm your host, the Sinski Man, and with me today are Jake. It's going to be a tough one, boys. Scroggins. I am so hurt. And Kyle. I feel great. We're reviewing the Foxborough failure, discussing the latest new backroom hire, and tracking the other Texas teams in our rival watch. As King Theoden says when Aragorn calls upon him to meet the Uruks in battle, for death and for glory. So Scroggins, we lost 3-0 on your anniversary. How did that <laughs> dinner date go? Uh it was uh it was good. Um the game ended and uh I turned off the TV and just um thought about how wonderful my wife is. And um that banished all the horrid uh stuff that I had watched on the TV screen while I was cooking dinner. So um yeah, if 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 this really is for death and for glory, I think we're getting more death than we are glory right now. Right? Absolutely. On Dyna Bros, we really kind of hit the nail on the head, I felt like, when we were talking about the disjointedness, especially in the second half. But even in the first half, a little bit on my rewatch, I just felt like our players are not a team yet. And honestly, I feel like that might be okay. Better now than three months down the road, right? Kyle, is it better for us to be working these kinks out now? Or should we already be worried and pumping the brakes on a playoff season? I don't think we should be. Well, I don't know. I don't I don't know if any Dynamo fan is like has worry at this point in their life because it's just like this is normal. You know, Um, I mean, it's not technically normal. We I don't know if you all saw the tweet stat that came out that this is the worst Dynamo start ever. Um, But I think it's important to remember that it's two games in. There's a lot of season left to play. Um, if we don't make postseason, yes, this would be a major failure of a season and a rebrand and a rehaul of the roster. And um, that would be pretty disheartening. Uh, but I think this early in the season, it, it's it's okay to be like seeing this disjointedness. Not okay as in like, I'm okay with it, but I think it's semi-understandable. Two away games to start the season in tough conditions against tough opponents, like it is what it is. And um, do I want to see us get things figured out for the home opener against Austin? Absolutely. Um, But you know, also I'm like generally probably more positive tonight because I think I'm the only one that didn't watch the game. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming into this with a little bit of a, a different perspective and yeah, that uh, helps the, yeah, the MLS highlights were, um, I don't know if they were biased towards the revolution or if we were just that bad and we didn't have highlights, but, uh, yeah, it's a, you know, I'm, I'm not too, too beat up right now. On the MLS's second YouTube channel, you can find our lowlights put to the Benny Hill like saxophone music. <laughs> Not careless whisper, but uh, oh, yeah, well, that'll work. If you know another that's saxophone, the only, that's song, the only saxophone solo alive. that's out there. Amen. As far as I know, it's taking everything I have not to hit the panic button and to be level-headed and say, "Look, it's fine. It's early, new coach." new players, new system, new everything. Let's let's see what it looks like after week six, week seven. But man, like I said, everything I have, because that was, that was abysmal. Jake, get in here. Give us your opinion of the game. Uh, well, I was, in, I was not able to watch it live, um, which I don't think I've ever regretted more. I started this game at midnight. 
Um, so I watched the first 60 minutes and then after the third goal, I fast forwarded to the end because, uh, yeah, at, th- at that point, you'll just you'll just take anything to, to get out of the situation. Um, do I think we should panic right now? No, because we have been bad for a decade. Um, <laughs> and so if we're bad for another year, um, you know, I've been living with this condition for a while. Uh, and so it's it's not going to get worse. It's just it's just going to be as bad. I do think that um, you, you want to try to strike a balance here, because on the one hand, you know, I feel like we might be accused of making excuses for our players. Um, I think that there's there's a difference between making excuses for our players uh, 10 games into the season when clearly the tactics just aren't there or um, making excuses for our coaches 17 games into the season when we still haven't seen a steady uh, starting 11. We still haven't seen any uh, continuity in the squad. Yeah. But I think two games in with a new coach, I think two games in with uh, several new players, and as Kyle said, these were two decently tough games. Um, several people are tipping Cincinnati to to fight for the Supporter Shield this year. No one is tipping us to fight for the Supporter Shield in the next decade. Um, so that was that was a decade. tough away game. Um, if you can find someone that says we are. In ten years, going to challenge. I will. I will issue a mea culpa. Um, I don't know what that is. Within the next ten years, we will challenge for the supporter shield. I throw the gauntlet down on that. I accept. I accept thy challenge, you speaker of doom and gloom. Hey, I'd love to see it. Um, And yeah, New England didn't didn't make the playoffs last year, but still, I think that that's a pretty tough away game for us. We've. We've always talked about our preposterous home field advantage that teams have to come here and deal with the the Houston humidity and the Texas heat and run around in it for a long time. Um, they have their own home field advantage uh, because God hates New England. And Amen. so it is still winter in March. Um, so having to go up there with a, a, a pretty South American side, pretty Central American side, uh, deal with the weather. The coach, I think Bannon is his post game was was great. He's not going to make excuses for the players. We all know that they're professional, but also I think we've all had that cold shock at least once in our lives where our body is just like, you're not going to run in this because this sucks. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not panicking. Not yet. Uh, the game was atrocious. Um, it made me sad to uh, to to be alive, but it's not time to panic just yet. Uh, speaking of the coach not making excuses and how we don't have a starting 11 yet, Sebas didn't start, which is a huge surprise to me because personally I feel like it's way too soon to take our DP and star striker 13 goals last season, 14 goals um, out of the game. I think it was 13 out of the lineup. It doesn't make sense to me that we would do that. I feel like he really put himself in a situation to where he's got to eat crow. And now he's got some work to do with Sevis. Um, I can understand the idea that maybe a new manager, I'm going to throw things at the wall and I get to do whatever I want. It because we don't know what, what works yet. Scroggage, you're laughing at me. Jump in. Give me your opinion. Is this, is this a bad move on his part or does he have this kind of leeway? Uh, and don't say he's the coach. He can do what he wants. Um, I think from like, a, 
you know, is he going to get fired over this kind of sense? Like, yeah, he has plenty of leeway. Um, I just don't see the wisdom in it. You know, if if you're talking about a new team trying to pull these pieces together, he talked about that during the uh, during the preseason and all that stuff, then it, it makes no sense to me to pull your DP striker and put him on the bench the second game in. Um, and I, I think it, that was only confirmed by seeing how little service Thor got, you know, Thor will make himself a nuisance. And I think that's why we love him. Um, but, uh, but he didn't get any, like there, there was just nothing for him. You know what I mean? Uh, just like there was nothing for Sebas. So it makes me think that since we have two radically different styles of play between Thor and Sebas, it makes me think that it's not so much a, a Sebas, issue like the reason why we just our attack is just non-existent uh it seems to be something more systemic than necessarily individualistic and uh i think that was just a really poor choice i think that was that was dumb and um i i hope that the locker room is tight enough to survive that i don't think this locker room's tight at all half these players are just literally brought in i this is a this is a big mistake, in my opinion. I don't think he should have done this. Jake has got a smile on his face, too. He's like, Christopher, you don't know anything. No one would hire you. That's not true. I'm Mr. Manager. I turned down Manchester United just the other day. Go ahead, Jake. <laughs> Get your opinion known. Yeah, I mean, Ben took responsibility for the decision. I think he knows hindsight 2020 probably wasn't the best. Um, in the post, post-game presser, when asked, he just briefly said that was that was a coach's choice. That's why he, he didn't start Sevis. I suspect it's because it was really cold um, and Thor was just in Iceland. That's my <laughs> guess. Part of me hopes that's not true because that's like a silly thing that I say in the group chat, not something that a professional coach uh, does IRL. Um, I will say I, I there's a lot about the striker position that frustrated me today um, or, or in this past game. A big one for me was essentially using Coco as a second striker. Um, we keep moving him further up the field. I'm intrigued at the idea of him being a good complement to Sebas because Sebas doesn't really hold hold up play at all. Um, but that, for me, is why it makes sense playing Coco higher up the field. He gives us some stability, some ability to play forward and play out of the back. Um, when you take Sebas off anyway and then... You pretty much consign yourself to being outnumbered in the midfield, essentially four to two. Like we have a, a banging midfield. I think our midfield is among the best in the league. But Hector Herrera, who I think had a had a pretty, you know, as far as good games go for us against this team uh, in this abysmal performance, I think he he had his moments. He looked all right. You're not you're not going to outdo a narrow diamond of four midfielders with just Artur and Hector Herrera. That's, that's too tall of a task. Yeah. I was expecting us to like blaze it up the wing, get, get Dorsey in there, get Tate in there and Tate had a couple of crosses. Um, Dorsey, I'm sure had a couple, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I just feel like with the, that diamond formation that new England does the, the, the issues with, with that formation. So I would have expected us when we have these wing backs, thank you, wing backs, thanking myself because none of my guys were chiming in for me there, uh, who like to get forward. Let's let them get forward. Right, Kyle? Yeah. <laughs> but we don't we don't play with wing backs though. Like that's I mean, 
we just play with guys that were once forwards and are now defenders. <laughs> like that's, that's literally the, the same thing. That's the definition of a wingback. I looked it it's up. It's not though, because you play you no, because you play you, it doesn't set up that way the with the way that we're playing on our team. So um in my limited soccer knowledge. So the yeah, the thing is, so I saw a little bit of the game. Tate Schmidt I thought looked pretty good again. I think Tate Schmidt's doing a really good job on that left side of the field. Griffin Dorsey, I don't know if the highlights just didn't really do him a service, but it looked like he got pretty beat up in this game. And it looked like he did some of like the vintage Gryffindor things pretty well of like getting up the field, cutting into the box. And, um, you know, like he, there was one highlight of him, you know, getting a shot off off of a pretty classic cut in, um, unfortunately right to the keeper. But, um, but as far as like, his defensive play goes, it, it looked to me like he's lost a step. Um, I know that he's coming off of like an injury scare where people, you know, rumored that he broke his leg and then like two weeks later he was back on the field. So maybe he did have more of an injury than, you know, he's kind of putting out there, but it, it really looks like he's, um, he's getting beat up a lot. And I don't know what our plan is going forward because as far as I know, like Franco Escobar isn't necessarily, you know, a faster, you know, more pacey right back than Griffin Dorsey is. Um, Ethan Bartlow and him don't seem to be forming like a stellar partnership on that right side of the defense. So I'm not sure like what our plan is going forward. Um, maybe we do need to get a proper like wing back system going and, you know, use Sterez as a right center back and play a different setup back there. Like, I, I don't know what the plan is or what Ben's thinking, but um, I'm not I'm not feeling overly good about Griffin Dorsey's performance so far. I'm going to say this before I jump over to Scroggins. Mark my words, faithful Steris starts against Austin. It's they're putting him in. They're done with this. Scroggins, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm just wondering, like, what do you guys think? When can we just say that the four three three is not our formation? Like, we have wingers that that don't wing. So can we just scrap it? You know. Um, we have a striker that can't hold the ball up and that's essential to how it seems like we want to play. Um, and, and so I, I just don't understand why we keep trying this. We, we keep doing this over and over and over and over. We saw it all year last year. We haven't improved that substantially. Both of our new like attacking pieces, bossy and, and Franco play more centrally anyway. Can we just call it and go to a four, four, two, diamond like can we just do that i was just about to call on you to make make the tactical transition and tell us what you wanted and you just did i mean that's what i'm saying jake do you think that's a good move i would love to see a 442 diamond i think that um we play a 433 in the the loosest sense of us playing a 433 um we we play with our, our left back as essentially our left winger. We play with our left winger as essentially a fourth midfielder. We play with our Corey Baird as essentially a tackling dummy. Um, <laughs> we like we don't really play anything like the way a 4-3-3 is supposed to play with these players. I, I think that that's just like a, a misinformation campaign at this point that we play a 4-3-3. We, we don't. Um, it looks much closer to a four, two, three, one, but even that's not really where our players look in the attack. And we defended in a four, four, two this past game. And that didn't really work out for us. I think that the right side was pretty rough. 
um, in this last match for sure. I think that this is not the game for Griffin Dorsey's style of right back. See, that's interesting because I thought it would be. Go ahead. We didn't didn't dominate possession and we didn't control the middle of the field. At all. Right. So... So if if we want Griffin Dorsey doing Griffin Dorsey things, we need to be able to control the middle of the field so that he can get up down the right hand side. Um, okay. The what we essentially asked him to do is play the style of right back that we brought in Escobar to play, which is a, a bit more forward than a center back, but someone who's going to sit back and soak up pressure. And that's never a situation that I we should want Griffin Dorsey in. Yeah, Scroggins, go ahead, jump in on that. I think. Um, I think Jake kind of brings up an interesting point here. I, um, that first game we all said like Escobar looked terrible. Um, mm-hmm. the second game we said Dorsey looked terrible. Um, and I, I'm thinking maybe just maybe that the problem is Corey Baird, uh, and hear me out on this because of the asymmetric attack that, that we're using, uh, the right wing is supposed to be like a uh, wide and high. It's supposed to be like stretching, penetrating, making those runs to, to stretch the back line. And when you don't have that threat, which everyone knows that Corey Baird right now, as he's playing is essentially a dribbling cone. And, and because of that, the fullback doesn't have to worry. So the fullback can press higher. The wing on that side can press higher. And so then you have Gryffindor and or Escobar, trying to mark two players and i think that's what we saw is i i, I saw uh, like on on twitter like dynamo twitter was trashing dorsey and i just didn't see it like that i saw a dude that was putting himself in the best possible positions but was just absolutely like getting overrun because because there was no threat there was nothing keeping them honest on that side of the field offensively and i i really think that's where the problem is part of the problem Jake, you're going crazy, man. Join, join this combo. I got, I, I gotta that. say, I thought Baird looked better in this game. So I want to say that what? right now. Be, no, no, just you, better than zero. Like one is better than zero. So just let me have that. He looked better. He looked more involved. Right. He looked better on the ball. I will say this, right? I was, I was curious about that right side thing. I, I think Dorsey did get, get pretty well scorched on the first goal. And, and it was sad for me to see because I love Dorsey. Um, and I do think Dorsey's put in a position that, Listen, here's what I'm trying to get at. In the post-game press conference, um, Ben was asked about uh, specifically Borrero, um, the the player from New England, who, who was pretty essential on a few of those goals. And he said that he thinks Borrero is a really big pickup, um, great for New England, makes things really difficult, and you have to really take it serious when he's coming down the side and and send another player in there so that so that you're you're not isolated one v one with them, which leads me to think that Corey Baird maybe was supposed to be helping more than he was. Like this isn't just a hey we're just trashing on Corey Baird because our first episode was called Mild Butter and we just ran with it. Like this might be that he has been that Scroggins is like dead on, uh, and it might be that our coach sees that. Well, it's about darn time because I think almost every Dynamo fan has seen that and seen it for multiple seasons now. So I hope they're catching that wave of maybe using one of our forwards as on the pitch just to be an extra defender kind of 
is not a great strategy. This asymmetric thing I think is wild. I I play football manager. It's no it's no mystery. But when things are not going well, what you do is you you make the tactics more basic to help your team, right? If you have you give them less specific roles, more just their bread and mild butter, if you will. <laughs> so <laughs> when you're asking a striker to be a winger and then not just a winger, but a kind of a defensive winger, but also a stretchy winger to put in a cross when he's not really a crosser, you're probably not going to get great results in the football manager world. And I I feel like maybe that's also true for the Houston Dynamo. And we need to help Corey Baird by making his role a little bit more basic. What or... is more simple or basic than the bench? <laughs> I agree. That that's always a great option. That is always a great option. Especially, well, I mean, you look at his, you look at the the last five games when he was playing under Bundy last season. Like he was playing very basic winger soccer. I'm not listen. I'm not since he's rolling his eyes as hard as he can right now. I'm not giving Baird <laughs> praise. I'm just saying when he's looked his very loosely termed best, it was when he was just playing as a winger. What he scored like two two goals or something at the end of the season. Like I know th- this is nothing to be like excited for about a guy that's paid to to score goals in the position that he's put in. But like, that's, that is exactly what should happen when we, when we set him up, you know, like just let the guy play up there. If if we're going to play him, then let's set him up to do that instead of some other weird setup where we ask him to do something else entirely, because we have a a totally different system that Jake is freaking out about right now to, to tell me why I'm wrong. The right winger is the most basic position in the system. He's only being asked to be a winger that stretches the line. That's it. That's all he's being asked to do. Then what's going wrong? He's not good. <laughs> Thank you, Scroggins. <laughs> okay. that can only, so, so bench it is. The only can. All right. I almost hopped on this podcast to to give Corey Baird a little bit of praise because I watched the highlights and I saw he had a really nice goal that called back that got called back <laughs> offside. And then I was like, and then I heard Fafa's name and I was like, oh dang it, I'm watching last year's highlights. And I was like, oh, sorry, Corey Baird. I tried to give you I tried to give you some credit and it didn't work out. Wasn't that in those last five games too? Didn't we play New England yeah, late? It was a 3-1 victory. I remember that. Yeah, so that's the main problem up front, but the back line has not been stellar either. Scroggins, you've got a super hot take, and I want you to drop it for the pod, please. Yeah, so this is something uh, after watching the game that, that really dawned on me. I think we got rid of the wrong center back. Uh, I think that we should have kept Tim Parker and and traded uh, Teenage. Uh, that's that, wild. I think what solidified it for me it was the second goal um, when the ball was, uh, you know, it was beautiful pass that split Bartlow and Gryffindor. I mean, like Carl, uh, Carl skill is he's going to do that, right? It, that when, when you have a quality pay, player like that, that's going to happen at least once a game. And then the, the cross in uh, Hadibi didn't, didn't track a runner, didn't track the runner. Like, he didn't track it, and it was Bobby Wood. You know, he's not he's not tracking like Carlos Vela. You know what I mean? Like he's, it's Bobby freaking Wood. Like the dude couldn't even cut it at Real Salt Lake, and I I don't understand how we let that dude score on us. And I think that might have been the thing that just flipped in my head was we let Bobby Wood score on us, and um and I feel like uh. Like when when I think of the back line, let me say it this way: when I think of of that back line, I don't trust Bartlow to make those last ditch saves, I, and I don't think that's 
what he's supposed to do. Yeah. And I definitely don't trust teenage to do that. I do trust teenage to fly into somebody two footed and get a red card for no reason, but I don't trust him to be that last line, last ditch defender. Like we saw Tim Parker do for so long while he was in the orange kit. You know what I mean? I I hear you. And I, I, I love Tim Parker. I think you're selling teenage short a little bit. I think he does make a lot of last digit, last ditch tackles, but I do think our back line is lacking a leader. I'm going to say that. And I thought that would be okay, honestly, because we have Steve Clark in goal and he's a leader. But what I'm seeing right now is a complete lack of leadership. No one back there knows what to do. Every, it was panic football from the moment the second half got started. And especially after that second goal, the first goal, of the second half. And I just, I just, I think there needs to be some leadership there, Kyle. Yeah, I fully agree. And I halfway agree with Scroggins. I don't think we should have gotten rid of Tim Parker, uh, but Thank it's you. mostly because of how Ethan Barlow's season has started for him. Um, mm. I think, I think he got put on display this week as being a, being still in his rookie season. Um, he, that's that second goal, like Gryffindor gets cut out pretty, pretty well out of the play. I thought, that's kind of right there, like on that play. I, that's where I noticed Griffin Dorsey's pace really seemed to be kind of shot a little bit. Like the way he turned to try to track back on that run, he looked mm-hmm. pretty out of it. But what should absolutely happen, regardless of like how veteran of a center back you are, is you see that play developing and you go and you cut off that angle. You make that cross impossible to hit. You make that play very difficult on the new England attacker and Bartlow did none of that. Bartlow sat off and tried to block it from afar and tried to just keep the space covered. I thought it was really poor defending and it was really sad. And I think Tim Parker, you know, makes that play. And I, we don't even have to talk about Tim Parker. He's gone. Like it's whatever, but yeah, I think, I think we're really struggling in the, in the back with, without having a proper, like gritty capable center back and whether that's, I don't think that's Starez. I definitely don't think it's Bartlow yet. Um, teenagers, whatever. But this is, I think this goes back to, you know, the offseason moves we talked about on Twitter a lot. Like we needed a, we needed a proper center back to come in and we didn't really get one. So I think we're seeing it now. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think all of this is moot though. If Steve Clark just nabs the ball. Oh if man. He, if he does, yeah, he's yeah. a howler. He did. That, that was probably one of his worst performances in the uh, Dynamo Orange shirt. But with that, we're going to talk about Ben's bestie. I want you guys to tell me who you think Ben's best player of the game was this week. Jake, I'm going to start with you. Who was Ben's bestie? I think it's got to be it's got to be Franco. Um, got to be Ivan Franco. Uh, there, the little engine that uh, could. The little little, uh, little Frankie. Little Frankie Franco uh, is all over the pitch. He's always involved. Uh, he plays a little bit stronger than he looks. He does get bounced off the ball quite a bit. Uh, personally, I'm hopeful that when we maybe see him moved to that right wing position, that uh, not having to track into the midfield quite so much, his his lack of stature won't be as much of an issue. But he had probably our best chance of the game, him and Schmidt, that early cross with the header. Couldn't right. quite get it on frame. It's early days. He's still adjusting to the league and adjusting to playing soccer again. He has been a, a surprise for me. I knew that he had been good 
Um, I knew that he had, he had had a great season as a teenager, but that he had lost out on playing time back in, uh, in Paraguay. So what we've seen from him, I think he's become undroppable, uh, at least for the time being. He's our most dangerous attacker and has been arguably two weeks in a row. Scroggins, who is your Ben's bestie of the week? Um, I got to go with Tater Tot. I think um, Tate Schmidt did a, a had a solid game, which... You know, with the way that the squad played uh, against New England, like if you get a six out of ten, you're probably the best player on the field for us. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to to Tate Schmidt. All right, he did have a couple good crosses in this game. Kyle, who's your Ben's bestie? Um, I'm gonna give it to HH just based on the highlights I saw. I thought he looked good from what I could tell. It sounded like he was involved. Uh, from listening to Dyna Bros, there was some mixed reaction to kind of his style of play and how it seems like he's shaping up, you know, in that midfield role. Um, but I think that he's, you know, he's showing like glimpses of what he's, you know, supposed to be doing there for us and the job job to be done for HH. So I'm going to give it to him. OK, well, there you have it. No, no consensus. Ben's bestie. Everybody's got their own pick this week. So I guess it's up to Ben. We'll have to ask him. Next time we get him on the pod, who was his bestie for the 3-0 defeat against New England? That'll be fun to hear. But whilst we're talking about Hector Herrera, I am pleasantly surprised with the way that he's played this this start of this season. I think he's been a lot better than he was last season. I just don't understand why. Maybe I do understand. Our midfield's really good, and I think we're asking those players to do a lot more than what they want to do and more than just a midfield. But uh, I'm happy with Hector Herrera, and I think that that was a great choice, Kyle. I'm proud of you for picking him. (laughs) Let's move into the news of the week. The Dynamo have hired yet another backroom office-like hire. Uh, Scroggins explained this to me because I'm not really a finance guy. We need Emmett. Where's Emmett? We need Emmett. Where's our finance bro? (laughs) Who's that? Yeah, so Sinski, um, the Dynamo hired a chief revenue officer, and I believe this person is in charge of revenue. Um, and uh, this person is Jeff Stewart. Um, I think they're a former NASCAR driver, but but don't quote me on that. Uh, they definitely were a former Astros VP. Um, so maybe they can help us win some games by using trash cans, which. Um, I'll take essentially, it. Essentially, essentially, it's Corey Baird at this point, right? Jeez. Oh gosh. Jeez. Oh, poor guy can't get a can't catch a break. <laughs> uh, poor Corey. Poor Corey. We Corey, like- we're sorry. We just lost three nothing, and it's got to go somewhere, man. Um, I'm sure you're great. You Corey, probably don't Corey deserve. Baird, you don't deserve this. So also, <laughs> the uh, season ticket holders got a uh, box today. And inside that box was some goodies. Kyle, hit us with the deets on the season ticket holder goodie box. Yeah. Uh, mixed reactions around the Twitterverse on the uh, season ticket boxes that went out just before the home opener. So they got there in time. I think. I'm for Is this know. a normal thing? Like season ticketers get Very like normal. a little nice box like, hey, thanks for your time. Every year. Yeah. Okay. Every year. Sorry All to cut you off there, Kyle. No, that's okay. That's a great question. I, I too, am not um, financially sound, so I, I do not have uh, season tickets. But Or a chief revenue officer. Yeah. 
um, or Emmett. I don't have my own finance bro. So yeah, that looks like they got some sweet bucket hats um, that may or may not be reversible. It's hard to tell based on the images I've seen, but I've heard this bucket hats in general could be reversible. Um, and then uh, looks like some patches. What we thought might be a mouse pad with the <laughs> with the letter from Ben Olson basically saying like thanks for being around. If we don't make playoffs, we'll be really sad and like please stick with us. Um, and then maybe <laughs> I some really pins and mouse pad. I really that's <laughs> so hilarious. The dynamo. If it's not a mouse pad, like I don't know what it is. You know, it it was just like a like maybe fit. like a four by six sheet of cardboard or something. <laughs> it was hard to tell, but. Yeah, so I think, you know, season ticket holders, if you're if you're Dynamo Faithful listeners, let us know in the in the comments when we release the episode notes. You know, do you like your box that you got? Do you wish you got something else? Is it worth it? You know, that's I guess that's the grand question as a Dynamo fan. Like, is it worth it to continue supporting this organization? So Jake, are you a season I would ticket like to- holder? Did you get a box? I'm not a season ticket holder. I did not get a box. And I just want to settle a brief controversy here. Um, bucket hats are again a thing. I, I didn't pick it. I didn't ask for bucket hats to come back. Of all of the fashion trends from our youth, I thought bucket hats probably never coming back around. Also, I thought Crocs never coming back around. Both of them have. I guarantee you if there are any young and hip uh, season ticket holders, that little pin, yeah, it's it's on their Croc. They're wearing that on their mm. shoe on an, on an ugly but conveniently comfortable clog. I don't get it. And Kyle, I would like to point out that um, every hat is reversible if you want it bad enough. <laughs> it's what we call a rally hat, Kyle. That's what I call an old man <laughs> takes, Groggins. Thank you. That's what I call that. Okay. Well, I was disappointed with the season ticket box, and I'm not even a season ticket holder. But apparently I'm just the loser who doesn't like bucket hats, and they're a thing now, according to Jake. So... We're going to move on to our rival watch. And guys, this one's disappointing. This is not a good old-fashioned English rival watch where our opponents did terrible and we get to bask in that glory. Instead, more death because they both won. Jake, go ahead and talk about that Austin game. Um, Yeah, they beat Montreal 1-0. Uriti scored the winner for them in lone goal. Um. And I don't care. Uh, I don't know why we yeah, talk about Austin on this podcast. Yep. They're, uh, yeah, they're, they're, well, they're not. a Texas team, and we have a sponsorable segment called the Rivals. They, they are a Texas <laughs> team, but I don't see any notes about sporting Kansas City here. Um, so, yeah, I guess it'll be the rival watch when we start doing it right. That's how Dang. I feel about that. It really, it really burns me when former <laughs> Dynamo players who did terribly go ahead and decide to like be great for other teams, especially when it's another Texas team. So Rudy great is a bit of a stretch. That's <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll say this too. We had a habit. We're going to see it with Fafa too. We, we bring in, uh, we brought in slightly above mediocre players and asked them to be our all-star when being a good role player on a team does not mean that you can carry a team. Uriti, Fafa, these guys are good role players and I hope they do well. Except for Uriti, he's playing for Austin, and yeah. And let's remember, like Rudy, like this. This is his pattern, right? He scores like all his goals that he's going to oh, score true. in the first month, and then so he's got his like one or two for the year, whatever. It's done now. Um, also, Lundy came off the bench in this game. Um, 
I was really hoping that it would be like last week and he would not make the bench. Um, but that was not the case. Dang. Unfortunate. How how to make a sad footballing weekend sadder. Let London come let Lundy come off the bench for Austin. That's disappointing. All right, Kyle, you can talk about Frisco. Uh and maybe don't yell at me for having this sponsor. <laughs> well, Frisco is a rival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, they arrived a long time ago. Uh, yeah, we can we can cover them just briefly. Um, they had a good weekend as well. Beat LA Galaxy three um, one. So the the one positive takeaway from this is that at least an LA team did take a loss. Um, the kind of one of the notes here is is Ariola got two assists in this game. Old Polly Nips and uh, <laughs> he continues to just like thrive it's, in it's his two. position and in that team which is so, so, so frustrating because it's like, this is just out and out clearly what we need and what we should have went and got, you know, two freaking off seasons ago. And we're still here stuck with no creative players. What bossy remains to be seen if he's going to be that guy, but um, we just like, we just need this player. We need Paul Areola to, to ditch the project that he's got going on up in uh, the outskirts of Dallas slash Oklahoma and head on down to Houston and, and make plays happen here. We've got better food. We've got mm, mm. better, maybe scenery, uh, probably better murals for sure. Um, and I think that he would like his time here. So, you know, why not make a, you know, if you're in the same state, I don't think transfer rules apply. I think he can just leave and come here. So as far <laughs> as I know, I think that's, I think that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. It really does. Uh, it really does burn that he's doing so well when he's exactly what we need. And I've been saying it for years. Pat, this is your biggest mistake, not getting Ariel on our team. It's your biggest he couldn't. Mistake. We didn't have the resources. I've been saying this since y'all have said that. Oh, my gosh. What resources, resources. It's his job to find. What, did we not have? We didn't have enough brick and wood to make roads. Like, <laughs> we need more, we need more they call it the wool. general manager because he works with the general allocation money manager. That's his job. Figure it out. You can say all the you want. Prepare for next year. I'll prepare for next year. Well, next year never comes for the Houston Dynamo. Okay, prepare for this year and make something big happen. We we need another signing. There, I said it first. I'm the first person on the pod to say we need another signing. <laughs> I doubt it'll that. be fine. It'll be fine. We have a chief revenue officer now, right? And they'll manage all the revenue so that we can afford the next Paul Ariola that comes along. You know, it'll be great. Guys, it's it's looking up. Everything's going to be just fine. I do agree with that sentiment. I do. It will be just fine. We'll make playoffs or bust. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't. <laughs> we'll I love you. Well, everything will be fine eventually because... You know, the suffering has to end at some point. Dang. We're always promised suffering. That's that's a great thing. So let's move on to our fun wrap-up. It's a pretty good one. So we talked about a movie montage is what our uh, broken-up team needs. They need a nice classic movie montage to go from worst to bros, right? Best bros. So I'm going to ask you guys, what does that montage look like? What music's playing? And uh, who are the stars of that montage for you? Kyle, hit me with it. I didn't know this was the wrap-up we were going with, so I'm going with this off the top of the dome right here. Oh, okay. That's the there was a tweet this week by one of the Dynamo Faithful favorites, old Mauro Minotis. And it was just a tweet of 
at the time BBVA. And he just said like, I think it was home or it was like a heart. And it was just, everybody just got on this tweet. It was like, please come home, come back to us. We want you. So my montage is just clips of Minotis doing his thing. And it's set to the music of Blink-182's I Miss You. And it's just this nice, <laughs> soft-spoken pop-punk eulogy to Mauro Minotis. You know, that's that's where I'm feeling right now. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That If that doesn't whip them into shape and us take the league, the supporters' shield, the, the league cup, everything, then nothing ever will. And Jake's right. It'll be 10 years of misery. Uh, Scroggins, I'm jumping over to you. You were alive and well in the 80s. I mean, you were probably crushing it, hanging out with your buddies. So go ahead and hit us with this montage. I was indeed alive and well in the 80s. Um, yeah, so to me, I, I think what this montage is, is very rem- reminiscent of the 80s classic Flashdance. Um, and so obviously it would be the song Maniac from Flashdance. And it's clips of our team like working out you know, going through training. And then instead of ending with a bucket of water splashing onto, I'm going to go with Coco Kataskia because of the hair, right? Instead of a bucket of water splashing onto him, it's teenage Hadibi pouring scalding hot coffee on him, which That's is, perfect. I think, fitting for the Dynamo. <laughs> so. That's absolutely perfect. Which is a legendary prank still that- to this day. <laughs> <laughs> That's- Classic Sometimes prank. I legit, I just go back and I rewatch it because I think it's so funny. He's got a lot of great moments, but that's got to be his best one where he said, "Valentin, you're you're thirty. Here's some hot. I hope coffee. you like third More degree burns. <laughs> third degree burns. Ugh. Red card. That's that's a that's a classic teenage red card move. That's what that is. Straight red. You're, you gotta go sit down. Oh man." <laughs> Jake, go ahead and give us your montage. Yeah, I'm an, I'm an odd mix of hopeful and depressed uh, with this one. So when I was in college, when we were all in college and we were friends, um, at one point someone said, hey, do you want to watch Disney's Tarzan? And my first thought was, not really. But my second thought was, isn't that just like a really long Phil Collins music video? And yes. then I was like, yeah, I'll watch a really long Phil Collins music video. So... My uh, montage would be the team um, going out to eat, right? Guys that don't normally hang out, right? Like Ivan and and Sevis would be hanging out because they're best bros. But they realize they need to be best bros with other people. And so they're like, hey, we'll be friends with other. And they go, they get like Philly cheesesteak somewhere uh, and laugh about how, why did they get a Philly cheesesteak in Houston? Um, Hector Herrera brings... Um, Ethan Bartlow out to get tacos. They have great tacos. They, their conversation is awkward because Hector's old, Ethan's young. There's just a disconnect there. But, you know, this is all set to you'll be in my heart. Um, and at the end of each scene, there's like a, a heartfelt hug. Uh, and then the next game we lose. We lose 3-0. Three, three uh, but we got to watch a cool, really long Phil Collins music video. Uh, so it's not all bad. You're going with Phil Collins' Tarzan. Oh, yeah. You, you don't use the, the song they have where Tarzan literally goes from a little boy to, to a grown man? No, I'm going with the best song, Sinski. The best. <laughs> but if you go from the little boy to the grown man, maybe we win the league this year. Your montage gets us second to last place again. 
My montage has the best Phil Collins song from Tarzan. I'm not sure what your line of reasoning here is. And yeah. Now, One day boys, this podcast I think... will have a definitive ranking of these songs uh, by Phil Collins. You'll be in my heart. We'll be number Tarzan. one, and everyone knows it. It's we'll the see. centerpiece, That's man. Listen, I like guys, the you're, all, you're all, all on all the your minds. Tools and this has That's been the wild. most lively debate we've had all night. If there's if there's any Phil Collins song that is for the Houston Dynamo, it's coming in the air tonight. Because when we play, we can all feel a goal <laughs> coming against us in the air tonight. And, and it's you not know, calling? Whatever. I can is it? No, it's, co- calling no, it's coming. In the, you're hearing it, right? Fix it, Fix it in the post. It's calling. No, it's coming in the air tonight. That's what I said. <laughs> I think it's calling. Um, is it? But his best song is... Uh, there's a song about... The title of the tonight? song is In the Air Tonight. Okay, no. Anyway, I don't think... And, but it's calling l- in the, the lyric. No, the lyric confirmed is coming in the air tonight. Confirmed by who? A dot com or a dot... The internet, Sinski. The internet. Is it a dot com or a dot org? I just called Who confirms anything else? him and he said... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Phil Collins is not the movie montage for the Houston Dynamo. No, let me take you back. Let me take you back to 1982. Okay? A young band by the name of Whitesnake coming along, drops an album called Saint and Sinners. I think this podcast can get behind that. And they a hit release, a hit release. Here I go again. In parentheses, you could probably put on my own, right? Stop me if you've heard this one before. There's a car driving the car, Sebis Ferreira, okay? Our star striker. He's he's driving. Here I go again on my own. Now, I know what you're thinking. Sinski, man, it's not about being on their own. We want them together. You're darn right we do. And at first, the car looks empty. But there's somebody outside the car, like, kind of dancing a little <laughs> bit salaciously with long hair. Well, we have two boys with big old long hair. Coco Carasquilla. so uncomfortable. And Ivan Franco. <laughs> and they're sticking their heads out the window, on the hood of the car, just, like, letting it breeze. Guys, y'all can't see this, but I'm, like, running my hands through my hair. It's going in the <laughs> and. Barlow, that boy's growing it out. Y'all notice that little mullet action going on? He's doing it too. We've got we've got some hair bros on this team now. Okay. Now this is the only road they've ever known, but they're about to learn a new road. Okay. They're gonna take a turn and then the song changes. Okay. There was a beautiful movie, Fast and Furious. Okay. You ever <laughs> heard of it? A young man by the name of Paul Walker plays a character in that movie and he passed away but he was part of the family okay so at the end of this movie they drive up and the two cars are going together and they take their separate lanes well no these two cars the other cars also like loaded up with dynamo players too they go down the same road okay do you see that it's the juxtaposition from fast and furious to like where the dynamo will actually go which is up to the supporter shield they take the same road and that, Faithful, is the movie montage that we all need them so desperately <laughs> to have. So great for you guys. We love you so much. Thank you for listening to our podcast. All right. All right. I We're all back now that Sinski's finished. <laughs> Rate us wherever it is you listen, not watch. We're grateful. Stay faithful. Thank you for listening to the Dynamo Faithful podcast. We are Chris Sinski, Manny Farcier, Christopher Scroggins, Jake Barry, Kyle McGuire, 
Emmett Rumfield, and James Franklin. Dynamo Faithful is produced by Ian Gregory Graff with marketing and design from Zach Below. Dynabot is powered by predictions from 538 Club Soccer Predictions. Learn more at 538.com. Music provided by Alex Grohl on Pixabay. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. You know, I tried to watch the game, but Manny screwed me with his Apple ID. So um, (laughs) that's why why he's not on the pod tonight. We kicked him off. (laughs) Sorry, a child came in. Um, Child of mine. Tell me, where have you been? (laughs) Now that's a movie That was so long and involved. (laughs) How did you do that? Well, I I looked up, uh, I couldn't remember the name of Whitesnake, so (laughs) I looked that up. (laughs)